0: Let's phone a friend. Not only do I break down the biggest stories in pop culture with guests like Dan Levy and members of Sync, I do it with my own personal boy band singing jingles throughout. Because it's my show. It's your show, girl. New episodes of Phone a Friend. Yeah. Drop Thursdays wherever you get your podcasts. So work it, girl, yeah, work
1: it, Okay, that's enough. This is a CBC Podcast. Hi, folks. Uh, this week we are doing something a little bit different. Instead of bringing you a little introduction with the four of us, cracking jokes and being silly, we're going to throw right to our interview uh, this Friday. We had the pleasure of sitting down with past Sick Boy guest and friend, Justin Baldoni. Uh, He had reached out early last week asking if he could come on the podcast to talk about his latest movie, which is now streaming on Disney Plus, called Clouds. And of course, when Justin Baldoni comes knocking on your door, you can't say no. So uh, we had the pleasure of sitting down and talking to that beautiful, beautiful, gentle human being all about the process of making another heart-wrenching, eye-watering, beautiful, emotional film, which is Clouds. Um, We talk about Zach's story and what inspired Justin to make this film and what went behind it. Uh, really, really beautiful conversation. I hope you enjoy this as much as we did. And, uh, we'll be back on the other end of the conversation, uh, the four of us to just have a little, uh, little check-in. All right. Hope you enjoy this and, uh, we'll see you on the other side. That's it, uh, Justin. Uh, first of all, I want to say hello. Second of all, uh, a quick little a quick little intro here. Uh, a few a f- about a month ago, I was uh, sitting down with my therapist, and we were kind of digging into who I am. And uh, one of the things that my therapist told me was uh, that I am. I have it written down here. I am um, emotionally avoidant. And uh, and so he was like, I've got some homework for you. My my therapist loves homework, and uh, and I and I love that about him. And so he was like, for your homework, what I want you to do is I want you to um, find movies that you typically would avoid watching because because of the fact that it will lead you into an emotional place that you don't feel comfortable going. Because I I told him I really don't like watching movies that that make me. Um, think about, you know, my own, my own mortality, uh, as much as I talk about it all the time on like this show and in, and in talks and stuff. Uh, and, and I avoid movies that like make me feel quote unquote sad. Um, and so he was like, I want you to go seek these movies out and watch them and then like find, find space in you to sit with those feelings. And I was like, "Mm, this homework doesn't sound very fun. Uh, and then, and then, and then, uh, like a couple of weeks later, my dog died. And, uh, and I was, and it was, you know, obviously it was like the hardest thing I've ever gone through. And I was like, oh, sweet homework done. I, I went through, like, I went through that. I don't need to watch any, any fucking movie. I can just, I've, i Bigby died. I've gone through that. I processed it. I'm good. And then, uh, I get a text from you last week, uh, about coming on the show to talk about your new movie clouds, which is, uh, now streaming on, on Disney plus. And, uh, and I was like, sweet. Um, Right. Clouds. Okay. Uh, yeah, I think I know what this movie's about. And uh, the last movie I watched of Justin Baldoni's uh, Five Feet Apart really ripped my chest wide open. Uh, okay. Yeah, I got this. And this morning I decided to watch it. I literally stopped watching. It. The movie just ended about twenty minutes ago.
0: I don't know and how you're. I don't know how you're coherent right
1: now, dude. My sinuses are like are so blocked up, <laughs> and like like my my nose is big. My eyes are so, like I'm so dehydrated right now. Yeah. So anyway, all that to to say, I just wanted to say this so that if my therapist is listening, I am doing <laughs> your fucking homework, Done. dude. Okay, and and boy oh boy, did that movie, did that movie hit deep. I mean, what a, what an emotionally, um, what a beautiful film. What just like an emotionally charged, beautiful film about uh, a, a very very special human being. Um, I know that uh, Zach, the lead, the the character that that this movie is based off of, you've met him in real life. He was a part of my last days, which was your show uh, that ran for quite a while. There, um, why don't you tell us, Justin? Just like first of all, how how what was the process of meeting Zach, and at what point, like throughout that, did you did you start to realize, like you know, how important someone like himself his story would be to many people in the world
2: well first of all the fact that you watched clouds on a monday morning like, <laughs> like that's that's a lot
1: yeah jeremy <laughs> I've got a lot um, to do this week, Justin. Okay.
3: <laughs> he he wrote me this uh, morning and said he goes he goes uh oh he goes oh fuck I'm watching it now <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I just said I just said great morning watch.
0: See, Taylor and I watched it last night. We were smart about yeah. this. We had some time to sleep and digest, uh, and, yeah. and now yeah. we're ready so to go. <laughs>
2: the other thing I want to say is, first of all, I love talking to other dudes who talk about therapy. Ooh. It's one of the reasons why you know this is one of my favorite podcasts if not the only podcast i've ever requested to be on um <laughs> and i appreciate jeremy you uh sharing that about your therapist i have one thing to say and that is not everybody lives with a chronic illness mm-hmm. that is scientifically statistically shown to possibly prematurely end your life so there are reasons why you are like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? so, oh, yeah. so I just yeah. want to say like, you know,
1: yeah, definitely.
2: I, I, your therapist sounds awesome. And I love that he wants to crack that open. Mm-hmm. But most of us are running from our mortality. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to live with it. So I just want to like, you know, you're doing a podcast for God's sakes. Like this is your job now. Your job is to talk about and bring comedy into this space where you are confronting your mortality. So I wouldn't necessarily, necessarily say you are emotionally avoidant because you are making yourself go there sure. every day. I just sure. want to say that. Sure, sure, it, sure, that sure, sure. My, yeah, like, yeah, sure. That's just my, like, I'm, I'm not a licensed therapist, but like, you know yeah, what? you're doing a good job. <laughs> Maybe
1: we'll get back to that a little bit later <laughs> yeah. in the conversation because there are some things I want to say about that, but continue. <laughs> yes. But anyways,
2: um, look, man, as you know, I've um, in an effort to not be emotionally avoidant for myself and to, because... Because death terrifies me still, despite my deep spiritual beliefs, that is why I created this show. Mm. That's why I started doing my last days. There's a quote in the Baha'i Writings where Baha'u'llah says that I have made death a messenger of joy for thee. Mm. Wherefore dost thou grieve? And this idea of like, how can death be joyful? That doesn't make any sense to me. Like, unless you're like, you know, a guru sitting up on a mountaintop meditating for 10 hours a day and like tapping into you know, whatever the hell people tap into when they do ayahuasca. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Like how, Mm -hmm. how can death be joyful? And it was through meditating on death that I came up with my last days and this idea of like, well, how can, like, how do people that are faced with their own mortality with like a short period of time to live, um, how do they find so much joy? What Mm -hmm. the hell is the secret sauce to that? And that's really what my last days is about. So when I met Zach, he was a 17 year old kid with big dreams. He just had this song like kind of hit virally. It was, he was, he wrote it to say goodbye to the people he loved. Mm. And when I was hanging out with him, very similar to, to my time with Claire Wineland, but when I was hanging out with Zach, there was just something so effortless, effortless, effortlessly joyful about him. Yeah. And it was like, he wasn't trying, he wasn't putting anything on. He wasn't like trying to, he was just this normal kid who found out he was dying made a choice to live, and then everybody was just attracted to. And I think that's what it was. He wasn't trying to be like a little Buddha or like a, you know, um, a, a spiritual teacher. He was just like, no, it's really simple. I just want to make people happy. And when, so, when a 17-year-old can distill these like, deep spiritual ideas and principles into like a nonchalant comment like that and mm-hmm. have it hit you, I knew that there was something magical about him because he is all of us. Like he's all of us. He's like the the light, joyful part of all of us. His mom is all of us. His sister is all of us. His his Sammy, his best friend and writing partner is all of us. Mm. And his girlfriend is all of us. We've all been one of these characters. And I felt that universally mixed with music, there was an opportunity here to, to really touch and affect people in a deep and meaningful way.
0: Mm. The crazy thing about the way, Justin, that you describe Zach, I feel like you, number one, captured the essence of who I think Zach was really well in, in the movie clouds, but nice. Taylor and Jer, I bet, I, I, I bet that you guys probably were thinking the same thing. But when I watched that movie last night, I, I couldn't help but think about our, our friend, Brandon, who, Oh my God, the
1: parallels were just, who also yeah.
0: lived with an osteosarcoma is somebody that we met through the podcast who became yeah. our best friend who yeah. oh, no eventually he died of, of cancer. And, and it was like the parallels in the story, not only like, is that forget, even if we knew Brandon, like that movie was, was going to be an emotional roller coaster for me anyway, but the parallels and like the, the essence of who Zach was and the essence of who Brandon was, oh man, it just hit so deep for me. It
1: was. And Yeah. yeah, I mean, anyone, anyone who's been, anyone who's, who's like been an OG sick boy listener from the beginning, like when you watch this movie, because Brandon, you know, Brandon's been on the show more than any other guest at this point and uh because his cancer kept coming back and we just kept having him on. Mm. And uh you you're going to watch this film and and definitely see see Brandon in Zach. You know, it it it's it was it was it was so jarring for for me this morning because I I wasn't anticipating that. Me neither. Yeah. I I wasn't I wasn't like I didn't I didn't I didn't prep myself for how much I was going to see. But it it's like you said, Justin, like it, the characters in that film are all like it. it the right. The thing that yeah. I loved about the movie so much is that it is all of us, you know, mm-hmm. like one of the one of the <clears throat> I was having a discussion with my partner after we we after we watched it. And one of the things that we were talking about was like how and I I really appreciate this. This part of the film was that every character had their own Every character had their own process to what they were dealing with, which was you know which was their their friend or their brother or their son mm-hmm. about to pass away from cancer and and it you really got to see into each one of their own unique processes of of dealing with something that's so hard um and I think like coming back to this like emotionally avoidant thing I think that's <clears throat> that's why the movie was so difficult for me because Zach says this in his episode of My Last Days where he he mentions how he has closure to his own death but Sammy yeah. Sammy doesn't yeah. and 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 that's that's the fucking hardest thing that's the hardest thing for someone who who has come to terms with their mortality it's not that you're going to die it's that oh, man you got to put you got to put all these people through such hard times, you know, and yeah. so to see in the film, to see each one of the the people in his life and, and and to see them through that hard time, that was something that I just thought was really, really beautifully done.
2: Thanks, man. It was also one of the more challenging parts of making the movie because you only have so much real estate when you make a film.
1: Mm.
2: And it, you know, it's a Hollywood movie, so obviously they want more, romance and, you know, these types of things, but you need, you need to give each character their arc, you know, and that was really, really challenging. Um, but I also, I've been getting a lot of texts the last couple of days. And it's interesting, you, you mentioned that about your friend and I'm so sorry about Brandon because it's, it's, it's so rough as you know, like we've all, you know, we're all in this similar kind of parallel space together. Um, but I'm getting, I'm getting a lot of texts from people Saying how much they saw, insert their best friend here, in Zach. Right, right. Like how much Zach reminded them of this person they lost, or mm-hmm. this, and um, and it's really been touching to me. And that's what I think. That's one of Zach's, I think, gifts, is that he was so, he was so unique, but also so similar to all of us. He almost, it's almost like he had all the best qualities that we all have, and he wasn't perfect. His his family is very clear about how flawed he was and like, you know, and they tease him, they, they tease him, you know, still today about how big his ego was and how much he would have loved this. Cause like, you know, he was yeah, a showboat. Yeah, yeah, he would have been like, you know, yeah. um, but he was also like a 17 year old kid. Mm-hmm, right. But anyways, I, I, uh, I appreciate, I that's, appreciate hearing that. I'm so know, I'm happy that Brandon was, was, you know, th- in
0: there. I think that's from- the thing that like I, I, when, when I was watching it, um, there, like I obviously saw Brandon in the character, but it, the movie, like, it's obviously a, a, a sad story, but it's inspirational at the same time. And, but it, the sadness that came with inside of me, like the reason why I was bawling the entire time watching it was because I was thinking about all of the people in the world right now that are dealing with these terminal diagnoses and know that they're end of life, especially teenagers and all of the people who are really here right now dealing with that. And like, that was the thing that just like emotionally rocked me so hard. The story is beautiful. And and obviously you get sort of like engulfed with the the story that you're watching, but that fact that there are real people really living and experiencing that right now is so hard for me to mm. you know, come to terms with myself. And it's a reality that we all face. Like we're all, we're all going to die. And there was the the conversation when he's having with his mom and, and she's like, you know, we take each day for granted. Like none of us is guaranteed tomorrow. And Mm -hmm. I think that's a thing that we, we all forget all the time.
3: Yeah. There was something in that conversation with his mom that struck me when she gave him that piece of advice, you know, maybe this is an opportunity for you to forget Mm. about, you know, all the shit that we have to, that everybody deals with on a day-to-day basis. And I was thinking about how, like, how our lives get caught up in in these sort of like cyclical um you know a lot of like seemingly non important tasks when you really zoom out and look at the big picture but like but that beca- that is a symptom of like planning accordingly based on the assumption that we are that like the end of our lives is like way way down the road in the future so you know we 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 rationalize making space for these things that might not be super important, but we do anyway because you know death is way away, and then when you when you when you speed up when you take that date much closer to where you sit right now, things become very different and and that was a um that was a really beautiful a really beautiful moment between um between Zach and his mom um Justin, I wanted to ask you about like in your from from your director's chair i mean with with Five Feet Apart and with this film, the, the, the ability with which you are able to tell a story that I feel like films have had a really challenging time like hitting the nail on the head with in the past, like uh, with both of these films, young characters dealing with, dealing with illness um, and telling that story from a, from a youth perspective that doesn't take the like youth angle, I suppose, and where it, it speaks this story that it doesn't matter how old you are. You could be young, you could be really old, you could be somewhere in between, but you feel it on every level. There's not a, you know, it's it's not a. Obviously, it's dealing with heavy subject matter, but you're able to tell this story in such a way, and and. And also find these incredible actors that are able to fill the shoes of these characters mm-hmm. in ways that that I am frankly blown away by. Because I just I, I see this story and I go, man, that's a hard story to tell with the feeling so that 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 it deserves. And you do it in such a great way. So what is that, what is that process like from the director's chair? And what's it, and how do you go through the what's like the casting process like for finding people that can pull yeah. this shit off? Cause it is very hard.
2: First of all, thank you. Um, I, I, I really appreciate that. That's, you know, it is so hard and there's a reason why critics hate these kinds of movies, you know, because they've seen them over and over again. And, and they're so often, I don't know, it's like they can fall into, I don't even know if this is a category, but like illness porn, or something. It's
1: like, yeah, right. Yeah. Inspiration porn. Um, I know what you mean. Yeah. yeah.
2: It, and, and I think we're all kind of allergic to that, mm-hmm. you know, like we've all seen those and, and a lot of people love them, but like those Christian movies where they're like, you know, that Bible verse goes at the right time and the music swells and this person cries and like, then they're done, you know, and the light shot. So we all have these, we've seen all the movies. And for me, this was just about stripping it down and trying to help people experience, I think what I've physically experienced from people and like from my experience, like walking and holding the hands of these real people, like, you know, people, you know, like Jeremy, but far more sick than Jeremy. Um,
1: And it's not a competition. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever, whatever. No,
2: but, but but everybody deals with it in their own way. And, and I guess, I guess what it comes down to is I, I would say authenticity, but, I really believe that everybody's striving to be authentic right now. And that means that nobody is. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I said, sincerity, because um, it's more heart based, I think. And, and really what it comes down to is like, what would really happen? Act as if, um, <clears throat> sorry, I was yelling a lot yesterday. Uh, when, when Zach hit number one, uh, which we can talk about too. Definitely. <clears throat> so my horse is gone. Um, so yeah, man, um, it's it's a combination of that, and it's just really trying to figure out like how do I how do I bring an audience like into the front seat of what it's like to drive in the car with somebody that's going through this, and it just comes down to like stripping away as many genre you know tropey things as possible, and trying to get straight to the heart of the matter. You know, mm. it's very you know you find yourself when you're writing a movie like this, um, and we had a wonderful writer Kara Holden, but you get in these situations. And the dialogue that comes out just lends itself to being cheesy. It just does. It's, it's, it's because so many of the things we say in real life, if you were watching it, are cheesy. Ooh, and
1: yeah.
2: the funny thing is it's like – and that's one of the things I don't think critics and like movie reviewers really understand is if you were to hold a camera to your actual life and film yourself – Oh half God. the shit we say would be cringeworthy.
1: oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah when, I, when I'm with my partner and like looking into her eyes the things that come out of my mouth I if I if I saw that on screen I'd go <laughs> <laughs>
2: oh, are, are you
1: kidding and oh that's my what's
2: God. so and that's what's so frustrating to me about the filmmaking process is you yeah. you're expected to make a movie that imitates life yet we're not allowed to have the things said in our lives that we would actually say or that that were said. So, you know, this is based on a real story, a real book. A lot of the things that Zach said, I couldn't put in the movie Mm -hmm. because I knew that it would turn people off or like critics would just like destroy it. So, so a lot of it was spending time stripping it away and finding ways to just show it with emotion Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and like to, to have, to allow silence to exist with these young, because silence exists a lot in these situations. Um, And also like the reality of, you know, there's a scene with Sammy and Zach where, they're joking um, and they're on the football field and Sammy's like we don't have to do this and he's like what are you talking about he's like you know make something funny when it's not mm. and that's a real thing right like teenagers jo- like we joke through a lot of things as you guys know this is a comedy mm-hmm. podcast right we joke mm-hmm. through because it, it, it helps but then there's also times when we don't want to joke when we just want to like allow ourselves to feel which is mm. probably what your therapist is getting at right I think that's what he's <laughs> um, <Yeah>, yeah. <laughs> Uh so it's just again it's stripping away all that all and then trying to like to to zero in on what we're actually saying and what we're mm-hmm. feeling um mm. and in terms of casting it's really hard you know you have to i put these actors through the gauntlet to make sure that they were you know they they came in multiple times and i threw stuff at them not literally not <laughs> figuratively um, but i threw i put them through a lot of different challenging um, exercises in their auditions and I you know, threw out random things that I would never ask them to do just to see if they could do it. And we narrowed it down to the best uh, the best actors I could find that captured the essence of who they were. But mm. the other part of your question I just want to get at is you talk about from the directing chair. And for this movie in particular, I really believe that I really believe that artists in general, but specifically us filmmakers, are, we're instruments. And you cannot plan for a movie. You prep your movie, and then you show up. and There's hundreds of people that are there on the day working for you. You have actors, and a lot of it is just then praying that it's going to work out or looking for inspiration. And every actor, every person on that set has their own connection and channel to God. Hmm. So as a filmmaker, it's really more about being a conductor and a, and and at the same time an instrument and allowing everybody else's creativity to flow. And what I found was that when I detached from it and I allowed the actors to have ideas, the the prop um, master, the, the set designer, when I opened it up to true collaboration, Zach was able to work through every person on that set. Hmm. And that's why I had a director's chair made for Zach. It had his name on it
0: nice.
2: and it was sitting next to me empty the entire time. So every day on set, wherever, my chair was the prop master moved Zach's chair next to mine and nobody was allowed to sit in it because I told everybody that Zach is sitting in it. Mm. Oh, and, and that, and like just the, the, the weight of that and knowing that he's there. And then if we couldn't figure out an answer, I said, ask him, Oh, it'll, it'll magically work out. And time mm. and time again, Zach showed up and unexplainable things happened. Mm. And I think for me, that's the secret sauce. And I, and I, and who knows if I can, you know, and I have, I have my own imposter syndrome when it comes to filmmaking. I don't know how I pulled this shit off. I have no idea why it works, Sure. but I pour my heart into it. I try to create an environment and I allow, in this case, Zach to come through to make sure we're telling his story the way that he wants to.
0: Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm so curious about your, your like emotional experience in, 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 in directing this movie and going through the entire process from like, from like promising Zach that you were going to make the best effort to share his story and share his music before he died to like being where you are today. What type of pressure did that, did you feel on yourself? And like, how do you oh, manage that man. emotional, like, weight?
2: <laughs> I imagine you see fucking... the gray hair,
1: man?
3: I got a <laughs> lot more gray hair
2: than after I, I talked to you guys last time. Yeah,
1: people, can't, people can't see, it's an audio podcast, but if, if you were looking at the screen, uh, Justin is uh, supporting a long, long, like, 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 just, like just white, white right. beard. And, uh, and, uh yeah. And shock, shocked white Like shock Uma Thurman's hair. master from Kill Bill. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah.
2: Oh, I became Santa Claus
1: <laughs> Did you,
0: years. did you feel like you, you put this pressure on yourself and how did you like bear oh, love, that? So much that pressure, weight? Brian.
2: I don't know. Um,
0: it was tons of pressure. Look, the first time,
2: the first time we were, I mean, we were kids. I was 29, 30, um, He was 29 when he passed away. And I had, you know, the documentary cost $10,000. Like my house was going into foreclosure. Like I'd given up acting and to tell these stories for a year. And, you know, I I was partnered with soul pancake and like, we had no idea if anybody was going to watch the show. So when I made him that promise, it was like, I promise I'm going to do this for you and I'm going to keep telling your story and just make sure everybody knows it. So when the documentary came out, we did everything we could to make it seem like we didn't know if it was going to really get seen. Mm. I mean, I think the most dark, the most views that that show had had with maybe like half a million or seven hundred thousand views, which, you know, on YouTube, seven, eight years ago at a time when everybody was watching like cat videos and mm. you know, <laughs> music videos, it was a big deal for a show mm. that was about life told by the people who told by people who were dying. So when it hit 10 million views overnight, wow. um, Man. it was like, and his song hit number one. Uh, It was just like, oh, wait, what? And that's actually what led me to start my company
3: Mm -hmm. because I realized like,
2: wait, people are ready for this. Like I had this feeling like this gut and I had this belief that audiences are smart and we're all dealing with these things, but we don't talk about it. And there's only so much that we can run away from, you know, like, yes, movies and TV shows and a lot of this stuff is escapism, but why not escape and also allow us to confront things that maybe we need to, or we didn't know we needed to. So when this happened and people were sharing it and watching it, like it kind of confirmed my thesis that they're like, people are hungry for more meaningful content. Mm. So when it came down to, you know, when his mom wrote the book and I reached out, I said, Hey, I'd love to do this. Um, I wasn't even thinking about the promise at that point. I was just mm. thinking about like, people need this. Cool. And it was it was in the making of the movie once it was already getting made that I remembered, like, oh, wow, I, I did promise of this. And, like, shit, I got to keep my promise. <laughs> and it was just an extra fuel. But, but the burden wasn't in the promise. The burden and in the, in the, in the pressure was in the family. Because, like, this isn't, this isn't a story from, like, World War II where we're, like, recreating people that, like, most of them are, like, 90 years old now. Yeah, this isn't like a even you know a, a story from the '80s or the '90s. This is from 2013. Like the 18 year olds are now 24, yeah, 25 years old. You know, they're at the beginning of their lives, and and um, the family still has Zach's room perfect. It's like a shrine to him. And mm-hmm. like I had to do justice for them, like and capture the essence of their story, and also for the community of Minnesota. And, and Stillwater who really were instrumental in propping Zach up and allowing this to happen. Like this is their story. So it was really challenging because every single person had ownership of what happened to Zach because Zach was the sum of his parts. They all helped him become this kid who the world knew about. I mean, that's how I found him, right? I found him because CNN did a, a story about his song right when he was starting to go viral. But that was only because, you know, a guy named Carl helped him produce the song. A like guy named Dan at the radio station at KS95 put him on the radio and, and all these individual people played a role in him becoming who he was. So, so it's like the pressure was how do I honor everybody and that was, that was the killer
0: mm. and making sure the mom and dad, Laura and Rob were happy. Like yeah. That was a lot but they are so – it, it, it was the was the teacher a real car- a real person? That, is so that great. character based off a real person? Because I he was so uh, but <laughs> I he, love that
2: he, guy. He was not uh, he was not a black guy. He was not little Rel. Um, he was a so white old, nerdy, awesome uh, science <laughs> yeah.
1: teacher. Yeah.
2: He was just hilarious and played music and loved Zach. Yeah. Actually, met him when I made the first documentary, yeah. um, and we were and we actually combined two roles. Into that teacher, because we needed we need somebody to help us in the in the compression of events, kind of get, get Zach to BMI and like get the music out there.
1: Mm-hmm. Right.
2: But really, it was a group of people that did that.
1: Okay, but you okay. you
3: don't have yeah,
2: yeah. four hours to yeah. tell yeah. the story. Yeah, still, yeah. is
1: amazing. Are you tired of hearing the same old wellness advice? It's time to dig deeper and listen to America Dissected from Crooked Media, the podcast that's cutting into the science, culture, and policy that shapes our health. From doctors fighting for their rights to the surprising truths about sunscreen, America Dissected dives deep into the state of health. Tune in every Tuesday for new episodes of America Dissected, available on all major podcast platforms. Speaking of music, you know, like music obviously played a huge role in the film. Uh, the music was was so well done. Um, uh, Zach, for people who aren't familiar with Zach's story, uh, he 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 wrote a song that went viral while he was in the midst of dealing with his terminal cancer diagnosis. Uh, like you had said, this is how you kind of stumbled into his story. Um, were you, earlier, you you had, you were talking about how your voice is, is shot. Um <laughs> Did you, did you, uh, did Zach's song go number one again or what, what, what you you said he went number one. What, what happened?
2: So seven years ago, right after, uh, his documentary went viral. Yeah. Um, his song hit number one on iTunes and he became one of the first artists ever to hit number one without a record label. He was unsigned. He never got signed to a label. He was signed to a publishing contract at BMI. Sure. But he had no label. So he became the first, one of the first unsigned artists ever to hit number one. And yesterday at noon, he hit number one again.
1: Oh yeah.
2: And he (laughs) made history overnight. So the movie came out on Friday (laughs) and I, and I had had, I I had had these like dreams of like these goals. And I, we found on the, on this interview that I had done, this BTS interview where I'm talking about how I had this super far fetched dream that, maybe if the movie like did really well, he would hit number one again. Ooh. The movie came out Friday, Saturday. I woke up and it was number 25.
3: I <laughs> saw that you posted on that. <laughs> wow. So
2: I said, holy shit. Yeah. Like, it's so hard to, to in 2020 to break in to the top 100. Like you're competing with songs from TikTok and like yeah. and all kinds of stuff. And from Saturday at noon to Sunday at noon, which was yesterday, it was my son's third birthday, Maxwell's third birthday. Um, oh, Sunday at noon, he hit number one again, oh, and, wow. he, and he like displaced Justin Bieber, That's and like crazy. It just, and he just climbed and climbed and climbed and climbed, and all my friends were posting, and we caught, like everybody was like download the song. Yeah. And What was happening? What we found was people were watching the movie. So touched by him, and going They weren't looking for like the the recreation of our song. Nope. They wanted to hear the real one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So then when they downloaded it on their own. Yeah. And the magic happened again. He, he just became the first unsigned artist ever. Number one, twice after his death in the That's same decade. So
0: yeah. wild.
3: Yeah. Like, I,
1: uh, amazing. I, I love man. that.
0: Oh. I saw your, uh, Insta live with, uh, the actress that played Claire and five feet apart. It was is it yeah, Haley. Haley? Yeah, yeah. I saw And, uh, and when, uh, when you got her to buy it, I, I bought it on iTunes too at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> I was, so I was watching all day yesterday, like rooting for it to go. To I pulled time. all the cards out yesterday, <laughs> man. I was yeah. like, all right, ah, friends. Bunkies.
2: Been saving these favors.
3: I think that's my favorite. That's one of my favorite things. Is is, is it doesn't? It's this, It's like the process or the series of events that speaks to that speaks to so much. Like it's not just it's not just that a lot of people saw the movie. It's a lot of people saw the movie and were touched by the movie, mm. and then they were touched by it. So then they it gets over and they go and they take another action, and then they take another action by talking about it on social media, which then more people go and watch it more people are touched by it and it's like the the process that like i mean it's a, it's a little it's like a funnel and like so many people yeah. end up taking action like down like down the line and it's not just going and seeing the movie i mean it speaks to obviously how well the movie is is doing and that people are watching it but then also just the level of emotion and attachment that people are feeling for the characters um mm-hmm. and the and the story um,
1: it makes me think about the heart- it. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, it makes me think about the the fundraiser, you know, and like, and and like, like how much effect is this going to have now down the road on that? You know, like that's the
2: whole goal is, you know, part of my promise was that we would continue to raise money for his fund. So what's amazing about this is the money from that download. Zach's portion goes and gets donated to his cancer research fund. That's awesome. And one of the things I've been saying, and I said to the crew as we were making this is, you know, our business specifically entertainment it's always like oh well we're not cur- we're not curing cancer so relax you know it's and i'm like well why not yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> why aren't we why aren't <laughs> we trying to cure cancer why aren't we trying to end racism like why aren't we yeah. like why aren't we doing these things with our business and i think that we're starting to see a shift and and the fact that his song hit number one again i don't even know how many downloads that is but that means that you know 40 of that is going to cancer research like that's what yeah. we saw with you know um, five feet apart and how what three percent of Americans even knew what cystic fibrosis was they thought it was yeah. MS as you yeah. know Jeremy like how many yeah. times did you have to explain what you had to somebody mm-hmm. and I'm and I I actually haven't asked you but I'm assuming that maybe it's a little bit less now um, since it became so mainstream.
1: Oh my gosh, yeah. Yeah, yeah like that movie was so. such a it was it was wild. It was mm-hmm. wild to like yeah. Like just you know, it's like uh it reminds me of um uh it, oh, my dog Bigby who passed away. He's a French mastiff. And when I would walk down the street um uh all the time, people would go Turner and Hooch. And yeah. I go, "Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Uh, it's Bigby. But yeah, it's he's a Hooch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, it was kind of the same effect with 5 Feet Apart where so I, you know, I'd be talking. I'd be like, yeah, I have cystic fibrosis. And they're like five feet apart. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 kind of. Like, yeah, Ger- yeah, sure, kind of. Ger- yeah. Ger- sure. haven't fallen into a frozen lake <laughs> yet. But yeah,
3: yeah. yeah. Ger, Something came up for me, like a something that came up for me. That came up for me watching the movie was a, was a thought on you, and and kind of the when I reflected on that, it was it was it was really that in the movie. I remember watching the movie when we when we saw it in theaters in L.A. and. And you're referring to five feet apart to five feet apart. Yeah. 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 And, yeah. and, and I remember you being very moved because, you know, you saw yourself in the film and, and yeah. there was representation there and you thought, Oh man, I thought that I was always represented in film because of uh, the color or of my sh- skin or, 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 or white my, male. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, like you're, you're there, but again. like on this yeah. level, you haven't been and and you yeah. recognize that and you were very moved by it. And, and I, and, and, and something that moved me in the film last night it was that it was, again in thinking of Brandon and his, um, his experience was that you are you are hitting on notes that a lot of films don't even if their subject matter is illness or or death that you're that there's some very very personal notes that that those films aren't hitting on and yours are, and one such um, note was when he was given the when he when he got back to school. Um, after surgery, and he was given the essay, the the really? college essay, yeah. and that really happened. And right. and I was sitting there, and 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 the imme- when he said, "I want you to write your college essay," I immediately thought, "But he's not going to college." Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah.
3: And I immediately then thought of you, Jer, and thinking about like when you were a kid, and people saying things like, "What do you want to do when you get older?" Mm-hmm. What do you like? how many kids do you want to have? What, like all these things that are like future, future you, What what are they up to? And you feeling like
1: what future, uh, what future
3: yeah. I, I, I'm not, I don't, that doesn't exist for me. Yeah. Did you did I, like, how much of you did you see yourself in that? Jared? Like, did you see yourself in that moment? Because like you just popped in, you, you were so front and center for me in that moment.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was it was like that was that was uh, that was one of uh, maybe like 153 times in the Man. movie where I started to sob. <laughs> and I, was, I, I began sobbing because I, you know, to see to see Zach's character sit there and to watch his teacher saying, you know, giving him these prompts to think about, to write. Um, I, I was in that I've been in that exact Spot. I've been in that exact mm-hmm. moment. I have, I have the essay that I wrote when I was in school that literally, like verbatim, says like, "What's the point of getting married if, if, or you know, what's the point of getting married and having kids if I'm not even going to be around to be a father?" Like, you know, mm-hmm. um, and and like to see what really, what really ripped my heart open was like to see. A young kid, and the wheels turning in his head, because I've been there. Like I've I've had those wheels turning, and it's such a it's it, that is a massively pivotal moment in my life. You know, mm. as as would have been for for Zach. Um, that so many people take for granted. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: i i I want to come back to a a point that you mentioned earlier, Justin, about. That the scene on the field, um, and and how when Sammy says to Zach that that you know like you you don't need to like hide from those feelings like you don't don't be don't feel like you need to make a joke of everything, and um, I know that like laughter is a is a fundamental value for this podcast, and we're always trying to bring humor to the conversations that we have, but I'm always conscientious of the fact that like that like is I'm always asking myself like is this moment of laughter hiding anything that's deeper here that needs potentially to come to the surface Mm -hmm. and I remember that Brandon was really good at making jokes and creating the sense of levity but then the watching the movie last night I was reminded of like maybe there were moments where he was having a harder go and could I have you know dug a little bit deeper to to see if there was an opportunity there to you know, like comfort him if he was dealing with something that I might not have, you know, been aware of because he tried to, you know, shelter me from that. And, but I'm also, like, on, on the same note, you've been so great at, with Five Feet Apart and with Clouds, of incorporating humor into the storyline and to relieve some of that 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 tension during some of the heavier scenes with a moment of laughter, either during or after. And I'm wondering how you see laughter or, or humor, um, as a part of like dealing with some of the biggest challenges that we face in our lives and, and why you feel that it's been so important to include, um, in the stories.
2: Um, first of all, don't, don't go there too much with, with your buddy because, you know, yeah. I'm an overthinker. If, so if you would have wanted to talk about it, he would have, you know?
0: that's that's yeah, my problem with my th- with my therapist. She's always like, "You're overthinking things." <laughs> like, yeah. It's all right. <laughs> we but, all do. Man. <laughs> uh,
2: it's definitely a male trait. Uh, so, in terms of comedy, I think. Look, I learned from being from life, from being around my friends who were they were fucking funny.
1: Mm.
2: Like Zach, the whole time. I was there and made fun of me <laughs> when I made that documentary the first time, which is why <clears throat> there's a little Easter egg at the beginning. I, uh, when they're watching TV, they're watching an episode of Sweet Life from Zach and Cody, and I am in it. <laughs> so if you go back and watch it, it's me as a fencing instructor just with the worst accent you've ever heard. Right. And the reason I put it in there was because when I got there, Zach did my terrible Spanish accent the whole time and called me Diego. (laughs) He made fun of me the whole time. He's like, hey, Diego, hey. hey." And he did this little wiggle thing. And I'm like, I got to put that in there. Nobody else will know. A lot of people noticed me on the TV, but (laughs) but it's because that was one of my connections with him. Like, Mm -hmm. he just teased me. And that was what he did. Like, he joked and he joked. And then when it came time to do the interview, he showed up and he was still funny. And he would make funny comments. And then he would get super deep and... And uh, reflective and emotional and you know, but in his personal life, he was more funny Ooh, than he was nice. serious, and that was how he coped. He was also seventeen. Mm-hmm. Um, Claire was fucking funny.
1: Yeah,
2: like, a lot of the people, a lot of the people that I, that have had the the hardest situations in life have developed um, a sense of humor to help them deal with it, Jeremy. Which is why you know you you are hilarious. Is it's what it's. It's sure it's part defense mechanism, but also part of who you are, probably, because you've had to find a way to, to use comedy for other people, not even for yourself. Mm. I'm sure a lot of it is making other people feel comfortable.
1: Well, again, yeah, it comes back to that point of like, I'm I'm good with my death. I got to make sure you guys are too. You know, mm. like, it, and and what's what other tools do I have? Like, it, the, finding yeah. levity within that is. It's, the, it's, it's all I know. It's the only way I know how to do it, you know? I totally appreciate
2: it. And it's one of the most beautiful ways to do it also because mm. we can all relate with something mm. that's funny. And that's why I think the best, that's why these movies in many ways, they do leave you exhausted yeah. at mm. the end because you are laughing. And when the laughs hit, they hit hard. It's like taking a little pressure off, like the pressure builds, builds, builds. Mm. And then someone mm. says something and you just laugh. Like, mm. like Mr. Weaver on the football field. Yeah, when he says like, man, I miss you without eyebrows. Yeah, yeah that was. And that then he, was he just goes was on this rant
1: yeah. about <laughs> an alien face. <laughs> yeah. No.
2: Yeah. it's like I don't know if you're surprised or you're yeah. happy or you know, I, mean, yeah. I, do, I, I do a terrible row. <laughs> but like you, I kept the whole rant in there because mm. it just kept getting funnier because you needed it. And then right after that, he's terminal.
3: Yeah, yeah. cancer mm-hmm.
2: didn't work. Yeah. and and when you put those two things together in a scene. I think that's what life's like. Mm -hmm. Like you laugh, you laugh, you laugh and you cry. And the same thing happens like in, and like there's a sexy scene with Zach and Amy and they're making out and it's hot and steamy. And then she sees his scar Mm. and you can see her. And my direction was like, try to push past it, but you can't because in that moment you're like, sure, maybe it would be your first time. Maybe you guys would have sex. Like maybe you'd share this beautiful romantic moment, but all you see is his scar. And that means all you see is that he's not going to be around. Yeah, and what is that like to try to push past that moment in that scene for seventeen-year-olds? And that's why that one of my favorite scenes because you see like they so badly want to connect, and then she sees and then she sees the other scar, and then that turns Zach it, like makes him turn inside out, and then he starts being like, "Wait, I can't, I can't do this to her."
4: There's mm-hmm. nothing
2: about himself. Mm-hmm. He's like, "I can't do this to her," mm-hmm. and then he leaves, and then she's like, "What the fu- what just, What the fuck just happened?" Mm-hmm. And then he's driving in the car, and. He, He says one thing. He says, why? He's asking, like, why? Why? Why me? Like, why? Mm. Um, Questions I'm assuming maybe, Jeremy, you've asked at one point in your life. And a lot of people, you know, because you ask, why? Why is this happening? And that's, that's what it's all about. And then the next scene is funny. Well, mm-hmm. not, then after the parents, the next, then they get to the they get to the BMI stuff, and there's funny moments mm-hmm. that happen. Mm-hmm. It's just this. That's what life is. It's never just this one super. I don't want to make depressing movies that at the end of it you feel like you can't pick yourself off the floor and that the world is going to end and you're hopeless. I want to make movies that tackle mm-hmm. real life situations and then bring you like a side dish of hope
1: mm-hmm. and like
2: inspiration. Because if Zach can do that with his life, yeah. why can't we? Why mm-hmm. can't you? Why can't you?
1: Mm-hmm. I. You know what? I got to say. Justin, that little that little piece that you just threw down there, um, it completely flipped the switch in my head. Because uh, again, I I avoid those types of movies, and when the movie I, I'm going to be very honest with you, when the movie was done about an hour and twenty minutes ago, um, I turn to my partner and I go, "Who the fuck volunteers to sit?" through something like this and, and, and i, and I, and, I said, and I said to her i said to her i said this is how you feel about horror films this is how i feel about these kinds of movies because she, she hates horror films because you're living in it and, and now and yes and now now i hear you say this and i go yeah why why wouldn't i want to why wouldn't i want to ride that ride why wouldn't i want to have those ups and those downs because that is that is life that is that's I don't want to I don't want to just watch boring movies where the you know where where the 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 when when the movie ends you know that the two lead characters aren't going to make it because you know they're in the arctic and they 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 killed the alien but in killing the alien they also blew up the rest of the the plant anyway the thing it's a great yeah. movie check it out if you haven't seen it it's wonderful uh, but no you're right like it is there is that those ups and downs are oh man like I'll, I'll the, as as raw as it makes you feel like it really does help you it really does help you go about your day-to-day business and life like mm. yes i i watched it on a monday goddamn morning thinking afterwards that i set myself up for a depressing week but like i already i feel like this week is going to be like one of those weeks where i go get it in like mm-hmm. get Give in it everything you it can, should dude.
2: That's what I want, man. I want mm. it to feel like a therapy session. A good therapy yeah.
1: session isn't just you
2: crying or like it's. You might get angry. You might laugh. It's all. You of might, it's all of it's it. like yeah, and you yeah. and we spend so much of our lives trying to not feel, mm. like trying to suppress our feelings or like push it. That especially as men, we've been socialized to mm. not allow ourselves to feel the things we need to feel, mm-hmm. and these movies, if anything, should just like you I want you to have like this involuntary reaction where you touch your face and you're like wait I'm crying oh shit I'm crying <laughs> because that's doing something for you our children know how to do that our children know how to cry when they need something or cry when they're feeling something or cry when they're or be angry when they're angry that's why they have a tantrum and then five seconds later they're laughing and smiling
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: because it's like it's absolutely just pure and and biological and it's there for them but we've been socialized to start to repress those things so I hope these movies give people a chance to feel especially right now because we're numb. Like mm. after this pandemic and after what's happening in the world and uh, politically and climate change and all of the stuff that we're looking at and we're saying like is there even hope? Like are we yeah. going to blow ourselves up? Like we need to feel these things. Mm. When we feel, we, we allow ourselves to also be able to feel for other people. Mm-hmm. And like it's like a compassion gene is triggered and it's like suddenly like all this armor – Right? It's like, there's a, by the way, a fantastic book for uh, us therapy folks The Night and Rusty Armor. I believe every man should read it. The Night and Rusty Armor. It'll take you an hour. We spend our lives putting on this armor. And at the end of this book, it's so sweet. Like, the only thing that, that gets rid of our armor are the tears that we've been repressing and holding, because the armor has been the very thing that has not been allowing us to feel. Mm. so i want to make movies that help people shed their armor. Mm. that's what that's what the goal is
3: well justin you you, uh you you the 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 message uh the message of hope that um that you are left with in this movie that you know isn't isn't the message of isn't the all too often message of hope that you see in movies which is like maybe the person will live but 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 the but the message of knowing accepting meditating ruminating on our own mortality can leave us with a greater sense of how to live our lives and mm. and what i think brought me full circle with uh watching this film last night and and knowing you and 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 knowing that you're behind you know you're behind the the scenes pulling the strings and was that when we met you what was that 2 year, two years ago a yeah. year and a half ago yeah. whatever it was we were down in LA and we were our primary reason for being down there was to was to uh was to shoot some stuff for a potential um show that was getting shopped around and, and and we were being asked questions by people all the time like to really focus in on what that message was that we wanted to send and we kept on coming back to the exact same thing I was like if you had to boil it down to one thing, like what is sick boy trying to do? And it was like, and we kept on coming back to through your death, learn, like learn how to live through acquainting yourself with your death, with your mortality. Mm -hmm. And, and you package that in such a, in such an amazing way. Um, uh, before we go, uh, you, you, um, you, you mentioned it there. I'm assuming that this book has, I read your a post that you made the other day, and it sounds like this book you just read was a little bit of that was in this post. Um, that you have got uh, a book deal, yeah,
1: yeah, that's, yeah. that's
3: coming up. Do you want to? Is that something that you want to chat about? Sure, yeah, well, I mean, we can, yeah. And um, uh, I'm,
2: uh, I'm, yeah, I'm releasing my first book with Harper Collins, um, in April called Man Enough, uh, mm. um, undefining my masculinity, <clears throat> and um really excited about it. I'm scared. It's like a super raw, very vulnerable book where I'm just mm. using my experiences as a man to try to open conversations for other men. Mm. Um, a lot of that, and a lot of the book is very much about the armor that we put on and my learning how to take it off at the end of the day. And um, and then the, the, we're going to turn that into a middle grade book as well for young boys. actually
0: that sweet. That's okay, cool. 12.
2: Because That's really where it starts, and then I'm also there's going to be a children's book called I Want You to Know that uh, it's really just like a parent to child book, it's not just for boys, it's for it's just a bunch of sweet things. And it's also cathartic for me because you know, I'm all these themes are tied together, by the way, like all of these themes with masculinity, with like the movies that I'm trying to make, with my mm. last days, they're all tied together. And it's, at the end of the day, it's all about how do we become the best people, you know, how do we how do we leave a legacy behind? That's not just about like what we did, but how we made people feel and how we acted and our service. And, mm. um, you know, and, and look, if we think about our mortality, if we think about the way we spend our time. And I think about this a lot. And Jeremy, I don't know if you do, or if you guys do because of Jeremy, but like screen time becomes a subtraction for me of things. I could be of things I could be doing to make the world better of time I could be spending with my family. Um, you know, it's little things like uh, if I've if I spent six hours a day on my phone, how much of that time was actually just numb, wasted mess? Can I cut that in half and make sure that it's productive? And then the other half is spent having conversations. Um, what are what are we actually doing with the time that we have? You have 24 hours in a day and everybody mm. says we don't have time. I don't have time for this I don't have time for this. The question becomes like, well how, well, how are we spending our time? And until we start to think about the fact that we have an end time, how will we ever like start to reprioritize that? Mm. Because the second you find out you have three months to live, suddenly every minute counts. Yeah. Mm. But suddenly for some, but, but for some reason, because we think we have 70 years to live or 50 years to live, well, that number just exponentially grows. And then like five minutes here, five minutes there doesn't mean a lot. But anybody who looks at their finances or investments know that $5 here and $5 here adds up quite a bit. Um, And I think that's the one way we can start to reprioritize and think about our time. Mm -hmm. And then the last thing I want to say... um, And it's it's based on what you brought up earlier, is at the end of the day, this movie will hopefully be not just about unlocking emotions and helping us all feel. It will also hopefully um, contribute to the end of osteosarcoma Mm. because it is one of the most underfunded types of cancers and my hope and my prayer is that if you are inspired by zach and his mission then you join his movement and you can do that at zacksmovement.org because before he died he set up a fund in his name which is where the proceeds from his music go to and it all goes to osteosarcoma research Mm. and since his death uh, they've raised over two million dollars and um and they are actively um getting closer to identifying the genomes that cause it. And they're doing amazing research. His best friend works for the organization. His mom works there. His sister's now interning there. Um, It's been an amazing, uh, it's been an amazing thing to witness. So check out zaxmovement.org. And thank you guys so much for having me on again. I I appreciate you all so
3: much. It's always a pleasure, Justin. Thank Uh, you.
1: Can't wait to talk to you again. And again, folks, go check out the movie, um, uh, it is on Disney plus right now. You can stream it wherever you live, wherever you are. And, uh, and if I might say, I, 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 the way, the route I took was I watched my last days, his episode, uh, right before I started the film so if you want to if you want to really take a good sledgehammer <laughs> really straight down. to the heart uh, that's the route that I would go but anyway that's that's just me uh, that's a big one <laughs> Justin uh love you buddy thank you so much for oh, this thank you, man yeah. thank you guys so much take, take good care. to see y'all yeah thank take you. care
3: see peace see you buddy
1: Well, there we go. That was it. Talking to our boy, J.B. Just Baldone, or also known as Jebedolidl, Uh two really close friends. That's I call him Jay Baldy. Yeah, J. J. Baldy. Uh, that was just Baldoni And uh, that was us talking about his new movie, Clouds, which, again, I, I cannot stress enough. Uh, you should subject yourself to it. Uh, it is on yeah. Disney Plus streaming right now. Um, and I think if you you know if you don't if you've never done the, the Disney Plus thing yet, um, also this Disney Plus is not paying us to say this not not uh, sponsored not sponsored <laughs> uh, but uh, it's great uh, the Mandalorian awesome the Simpsons yeah wicked um, and now clouds so there's no reason not to add it to your uh, subscription uh, shopping cart. This podcast um, is brought to you isn't, by Mr. Isn't
0: the uh, isn't the Mandalorian season two coming out soon? Is it? It is. Here it is. I hear it, it is, is very yeah. soon. Yeah, it's
3: dropping soon. Uh, I think uh, I heard I heard last week that they're going to do a, a special uh, reveal for the season trailer on an upcoming NFL game uh this week, I think. Cool. cool. Um, mm-hmm. Really
1: mm-hmm. riveting riveting stuff, guys. Glad we are touching on hey, that topic I, right now. I actually, I actually I actually had spring 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 something show.
0: I actually had something that I that I wanted to bring up during our conversation with Justin, but it wasn't so much geared towards Justin. So mm-hmm. I just let it go. But, um, I want to ask you guys about this specifically you, Jer, we were, we were talking in the episode about, um, the, the challenge of preparing other people for the day that you die, especially when you live with the terminal diagnosis Yeah, and, um, you were kind of, you were saying that you're not prepared to see your loved ones, um, go go through like the, the process of you dying, right, Jaren, and, right. and I can imagine that that would be, I, I can imagine that that would be really fucking hard. And, and, you know, it's a, it's a large part of the movie clouds, but I was kind of thinking about this idea that like, you can't control how other people feel like you're it's, it's impossible for you to, to, to control somebody else's feelings. And so the only thing that you can do is really manage your own emotions going through that and try to mm. be this like, <laughs> I hate the word rock, but like be this, this rock for the people going through this. Mm. But I also don't feel like that's the person's responsibility who's dying. I mean, they're already like dealing with this, like probably existential crisis of, of, mm. of considering their own mortality. But I wanted to dig into that a little bit deeper, Jared, and, like think and, and ask you, about that feeling of worrying about, or, or, or being sort of concerned with how other people around you handle your, your death. And like, I I know that I'm being pretty presumptuous here, assuming that you're going to die before like me, for example, but like, how do you, how do you come to terms with like dealing with the people around you as you plan for your own mortality?
1: Yeah, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that because I think, but do you
0: think that that's, do you think that that's the most challenging part for you? Because, yeah. you know, like you've said so many times that you've sort of like, I mean, you have these moments where you come to terms with your own death, the fact that you're going to die, mm-hmm. but you can't control how other people around you handle that.
1: Yeah. How, how do you like, <clears throat>
0: do you think you have to prepare for that?
1: I, I you know, it, it's something that I've been thinking about. Uh, you, you know what? Something happened the other night that I don't think I brought up to you guys. <clears throat> I was, um, I was sitting in the car with my girlfriend. And we had just gone to see a CD release party. Um, our friend Daniel um, had put out, it, it released an, an album, and we went to the, like the album release party. And it was the first time I saw live music in a long time because of COVID, obviously. And uh, it was this really cathartic experience, uh, sitting in a in a in a, a music venue, you know, like watching live music on a stage. It was a um, it was a moment of like taking. Realizing how much we, we've taken those things for granted um, in, the, in the time that we now live in, <clears throat> where those things are a lot more rare and for some people like just still non-existent. Um, and so on the drive home, um, there's this new thing that Spotify has going on, which is like a it's like a time capsule playlist. And watching Daniel play, there was there was this sort of like nostalgic feeling of listening to that music. And, and on the drive home, I was like, this would be nice. Like go through the time capsule and listen to these fucking these old songs that Spotify seem, the algorithm seems to know that like, I fucking <laughs> love these jams and it, it was really cool. Yeah. Like these songs are playing and I was going, Oh my God. Yeah, this is a awesome. This is amazing. Mm-hmm. And then we pull into the driveway and, uh, we were finishing one song and then it went on to the, the next song. It went on to this tragically hip track. And Leah was like, um, oh, I love this song. Let's let's just stay and listen to this. And I was like, yeah. And then like really suddenly I started feeling like, no, 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 no. I don't like this doesn't feel good. And I just like, I was like, nah, you know what? I, I don't want to do this. And I turned it off and we got, and it was like kind of weird. And we got out of the car and and I came inside and I was like, what the fuck was that? Mm-hmm. And I, I was thinking about, I was like, why why did I react that way? And I, I got really emotional. Like I was, you know, I was, I was, I was, I was, my eyes were like full of water. I was, I was about to like, I was about to fucking, I was about to sob. <clears throat> and, uh, and Leah obviously, like, caught, like, noticed something was up. And I think she asked, like, hey, is everything, like, what's up? Is everything okay? And I think my response was, like, I don't think I want to go there right now. I don't think I want to talk about it right now. And so I spent the next day thinking about what that was. <clears throat> and I, I made the realization that, like, since Gordowney has died, I've actually been avoiding his music because the the feeling the very like the very visceral f- feeling that i had that week when he was like playing his last show and like his death was like at the forefront of like every fucking canadian's mind and seeing the way that people were responding to that that was like a that was a really like emotionally heavy moment for me Because I was noticing how this one person and his death was having this like emotional, this like cascading wave of emotion riding across anyone who he's ever touched. Mm -hmm. And it made me think about, you know, like, and then Brandon's death, it was like at his funeral and seeing this, this building that becomes, that becomes literally um, over flooded with with humans who have arrived to like remember him and to see all of the all of the heartbreak and and all of the like the you know the very like audible mourning that is happening at his funeral, and to see that this one individual has had such a, a profound effect on all these people's lives and and to see them emoting that way really struck me. And so then I think like through the, through this process of like witnessing other people's death and seeing how it affects the people that those people have it touched. And even with Bigby's death, it was kind of the same thing, like seeing Bridie and the way that she grieved over Bigby because Bigby, you know, he left a, a mark on her. It, I started to realize and started to think a lot more about how like, man, when I die, there's people in my life that are going to go through that same that same experience, and like I hate that. That is the mm-hmm. thing. That like it, <clears throat> I, I wasn't like the scene in clouds where Zach is standing. I love the scene. He's standing in front of the mirror, and he he had just basically like the day before, just basically found out that he. He has a term, like it's terminal. There's no, there's nothing they can do. And he's standing in the mirror and he's getting dressed and he like, he like, like mashes his face and like forces this smile and you can see him forcing it. Like he's like, I'm going to school today. I need to show up. I need to be, I need to be like this positive ray of light that I, that I always am. And I'm going to force that onto my face. And you see the struggle there. I was watching that and I and and that didn't make me feel emotional. That made me I was like I, I it was more of a feeling of like yeah dude fuck yeah like get in there get it get it. Mm-hmm. Then seeing any any scene that had to do with anybody else other than Zach and their feelings towards what he was going through, those were the scenes that were like tearing my heart out because mm-hmm. it's the thing that I that I think I'm, I struggle with the most, which is this notion that like it's going to like, let's, let's just say hypothetically, I do die before the three of you. It's going to suck for you. And I, I fucking th- hate that. Th-
0: the thing that I think about though is I, I can understand all that. Like I, I get it. I totally get it. But I also think that like the, I, I, I feel like it at some points it causes you stress. To think about that and feel that way, and it just makes you feel shitty to think about that. And yeah, I can't listen to Gord Downey of... anymore. It's like, <laughs> yeah, It's well, yeah. like one of my favorite <laughs> bands
1: of all time, and I can't listen to it.
0: Well, that's just it. And yeah. and and the thing that we know is that death is coming for everyone. We know that. Like, I I love that that quote from the episode that you did with Braddy when her dad passed away. The that grief is the price you pay for loving someone. Mm-hmm. And, and I had two really, um, personal experiences in my life where I, it sort of changed the way that I think about how other people feel about situations. One was this, um, situation when I was in India and I think I've told you guys this story before, but to save like the long version of it, basically I got in a fight with this, not a fist fight, but like a, an argument with a a local shop owner about a cell phone charger. And it was really stupid And I, it, it got me like super angry and I, I felt super angry. I went back to my yoga teacher and I told him about it and he said, you can go, go apologize then. So I went back and apologized and it was, it was really heartfelt. And the guy that I apologized to was, was, was just like, fuck you, get out of here. Fuck you. I don't want your apology. And he was just still mad at me. And when I went back to, the ashram that I was staying at, I felt so shitty that my apology wasn't received. And so I went back to my yoga teacher again and he said, he said, did you apologize? And I said, yeah. And he said, did you do everything you could to show that person that you, you still cared about them, that you had space for them, that you had love in your life for them. And I said, yeah. And he said, that's it. You can't do anything else. You can't change the way that that person feels. And the other one, the other situation was, was even um more profound it happened many years later actually just last year i was uh i had this like thing between my dad and i that has caused a lot of stress and tension in 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 our relationship for the past 15 years and i i have never told him about this thing it was something that he did and and so last year i finally gathered the courage to talk to him about it and I was basically asking him to apologize for the way that he made me feel, mm. and it was really hard for me to bring that up. And when I asked him to apologize, he he wouldn't. Right, and it it like it made it hurt me so bad that he couldn't understand my where I was coming from emotionally, and I was trying so hard to be vulnerable with him too to open up and tell him why I felt our relationship has taken this toll for the last 15 years. And, and I left that day and I was, I thought back to this conversation that I had with my yoga teacher and I thought, you know, I, I told him how I felt. I did everything that I could. I was open and honest about my emotions Mm -hmm. and he didn't react the way that I had hoped and that I expected him to, but you can't change the way that, People will react to things, and so I I think about that now, and, and I think about the stress that you know you feel, Jared, in, in thinking about your death, and how other people will react, and realizing that you can't change the way that they re- they react, but also realizing that the grieving process is something positive that people should feel comfortable Ooh. going through, and even going through in front of you.
1: Ooh.
0: You know, you don't really need them to change the way that they react. It's more so the work that you need to do as an individual to be more okay with that, even though it's like probably one of the most challenging things to think about doing. Yeah.
3: Yeah. I would, I would, um, I, would uh, I would add on to that by saying that, that because of what, because of what we do and we're talking to um. And you know we're talking about death, and with people who are have faced death, or will face death, or are—I mean, we're all facing death, but who are facing death, you know, imminently. Um, that, what I would say to you, Jer, and for anybody who has that same sort of sentiment—that is, like, I don't want to cause the pain. Of, uh, I don't want to cause the pain that will be that will inevitably be felt when when I die and, and the people who are left have to deal with that is that I will learn so much from you dying. Mm. I will take so much away from that experience because I know that I did with Brandon, a fuck load mm. of learning came through that process. And because I'm always a half glass full optimistic, uh, kind of thinker, that's when I reflect on Brandon's death, that's what I think of. That's the first thing I think of is love him and took so much away from that experience, learned a shitload. And even though I'm not getting those new experiences with him physically, I am getting new understandings and new learnings from the experience that we, that, that we went through dealing with his death. And I know that I'll do that with you or Brian or anybody that like that, anybody that goes before I do. And, and, and so I just, I try to look at it at the that more like half glass full sort of um sort of angle because yeah there will be so much
0: to take from that acknowledging that it's also going to be fucking hard (laughs) you know yeah (laughs) super it's not easy yeah yeah
3: yeah. and 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 brandon is the the staple for that because that was really hard like that was super hard um but ultimately when i look back on that i don't go oh shit it was Ooh. I don't re- I don't I don't immediately go to how hard it was. I I immediately go to how how much I learned from it.
1: Right.
4: Well, you guys talked about it uh during uh, the recording, but Justin found Zach through his documentary series um My Last Days and they actually did a follow-up where they talked to Justin's family and friends, or so not Justin, about Zach's family and friends a year after he died. And it was really, it was interesting. I watched it. It was about like 20 minutes. I would recommend watching it. And one of the things, or I guess the consensus that the the people he left behind had was that like he gave them so much mm. and you, Jeremy, you give people so much. You give so much to the listeners of this podcast, to your friends, um, to your family, right? Like the mm. memories that you, you leave behind or the memories that you make while you're alive. Like that's, that's what will help. That's what will sustain people. So just, you know, telling yeah. people you love them, not yeah. forgetting to do those types of things. Like that's how, in my mind, that's how you can prepare people for your death because you never fucking know when you're going to get hit by a truck. Yeah. Yeah. And it's yeah.
1: true. Really yeah, exactly. it, yeah. And it's true. <laughs> I, I do give, I do give and I give and I give. And a lot of, a lot of, <laughs> a lot of you out there are taking and taking and taking for free. And uh, so you know, I'm I, I just putting it out there. We do have a Patreon, um, and uh, uh, you know, whatever patreon.com/sickboy. If, if you feel like you've been taking and taking and taking if, from me, if you feel so um, inclined. Uh, listen, uh, this is this is really sweet, guys. But also, I feel I feel like this is now turned into an intervention. So I'm going to move things right along. Uh, we have a letter that came in, and I think this letter actually is uh, kind of kind of timely. Uh, this is coming from Grike. From Norway. Uh, or, from Norway, or Reich, from Norway, or Ricky, from Norway. <laughs> Hi, guys. <laughs> I just started listening to hey, your okay. Po- <laughs> Hi, okay, here we go. Hi, guys. I just started <laughs> listening to your podcast after several recommendations from other sick people, both literally and figuratively. Firstly, I just want to say thanks for providing what I didn't know I needed. People are far too serious about death and illness. I tried to joke about death and my short life as often as possible, if not totally out of line. (laughs) Haha, that was that has happened just because it's better to laugh than cry. Right. And God knows I've cried. I got diagnosed June 17th with breast cancer. I remember that day so well. And as you've described in several episodes, my life flip turned upside down. When I went to How the hospital I I think I think with Fresh was, Prince, uh, yeah, is that a know. reference to Fresh Prince? <laughs> yeah. Okay. I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, when I went to the hospital that day, I kind of knew I had cancer because my left breast at the moment looked like a shriveled up orange. Jesus. Uh, the re- the reason though why I did wait was because my boyfriend of almost four years was just finishing his treatment. He was diagnosed with stage oh, four no. Hodgkin's lymphoma almost exactly one year before me. He is now in remission, but I just really wasn't up to a full-blown cancer thing with me as well at the time at that time I'm both incredibly bitter that I waited because it might have changed the outcome but also happy I did because I don't know if I'd had the strength to handle it as I am doing now in a weird cancer patient I'm a weird cancer patient who you'd never guess was ill I work full-time as a sommelier and I'm starting a 6-year long psychology program next fall So I try to plan as if I'm not going to die quite yet. In the meantime, I try to organize fundraisers and just do lots of stuff that sparks joy. Sometimes that means lying in bed the whole day too. Amen. Anyway, thanks again for providing such great product. I guess, yeah, I guess it is a product. I've been <laughs> pretty much. I like how really you. Really weird. It's really weird to hear I that. love how you posit I've, I've binged <laughs> pretty much all the episodes, and it's really nice to hear people in similar situations who aren't so negative about everything. It's goddamn refreshing. Big hugs from Rikke from Norway. Uh, thank you. I love that Ricky, she's Marie condoing Rick. her life. Rick. Uh, thank you for sending that to rikey. us. That I think Rikke. I would rikey.
3: say Rikke. It's it definitely a rolled. It's definitely a rolled r. Um,
1: I didn't learn that in theater school. So
3: you didn't have, learn how to roll your r's in theater school. Can't do it.
0: You referenced
3: Dude, theater
1: you, school. You, so you did much.
0: accents and you can't roll your r's.
1: I can only do accents that don't roll r's. You were boasting
3: <laughs> about your Scottish accent last week.
1: Uh, Scots don't need to roll their r's. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> sorry guys, sorry guys, I got something in my eye and it fucked me up. Wait, I, I, hold I, on. I, right? I thought your yeah.
3: I thought your Scottish
1: accent was I blimey. I'm from Scot- <laughs> I'm from Scotland. Blimey. Uh, listen, I loved this conversation. I loved this episode. I loved clouds. Uh, go watch it. It's on Disney Plus. Justin Baldoni, you are a fucking gem. We love you, and uh, can't wait to have you on the podcast again in the future. Because I know that that will be a thing. Now that I have your phone number, I'm going to abuse the fuck out of it. <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. Just I'm, <laughs> really, I'm just, I'm just joking. Uh, all right, guys, let's wrap this shit up, um, and uh, and actually get on to our next recording, which is actually our Patreon a monthly recording that people can watch on Patreon over at Patreon.com/sickboy. That's not an ad for our Patreon. I'm just, say, I'm just literally just stating a fact that that's happening right after this. So. Uh, thank you all so much for listening. That is it for this week. I'm Brian. I'm Taylor. I'm Lauren. I'm Jeremy, and this is SickBoy.